Hello and welcome to the pep talk. It's been a while since you've seen us. A lot of big things happening, obviously. Jason, how you feeling? Yeah, good man. I should ask you how you're feeling. We've got a we've got uh, a new new member, new member from the pep talk. <laughs> new, yeah, new member in the family. <laughs> yeah, my my wife just had a baby girl, so that's most of the reason why we haven't recorded much recently. Is it's just been uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's been- yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy month. It's been a crazy month. But yes, congratulations. Yeah. Big congratulations to you and your wife, obviously. Um, Thank beautiful, you. Beautiful little girl. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good to see, man. Uh, it's good to see. Yeah, it's it's great. But, you know, now we're back on city. We have a lot to talk about. How's the sleep coming, first of all? <laughs> it's not. It's not coming at all, if, for anyone that wonders. It's, it's not coming this- the sleep deprivation is uh, is real already. <laughs> yeah, and you're always worried. You're always worried, and you always look over. And yeah, it's, but it's a it definitely is a blessing. That's that's the that's the main thing. And you you enjoy it more and more as time goes on. That's that's uh that's my opinion. Yeah, it's it's definitely great, and we we love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, uh, let's jump into city now. <laughs> let's jump into it. It's been a while since we um, last recorded, so we've had, what, three games? Three games since we've last recorded. Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, and Leipzig yesterday. So, three very, very interesting games, I'd say, as well, with with how both in terms of, you know, full-time scoreline and the performances, right? So, each game gave us something very unique and different. I'd say Chelsea away, in, in, in a summary, was just crazy. Liverpool at home was a probably a finishing issue, and then Leipzig at home was a tale of two halves, where the first half was absolutely terrible performance, and then the second half was an amazing performance. Is that is that a good summary of those three games? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Let's okay. Let's start with Chelsea since the oldest one and kind of build up because we can kind of create a narrative here of yep. where City's going. How did you like? We're not going to go like you know goal for goal or half for half with Chelsea just because it's so far back. But like, how did you think City played against Chelsea? It was chaos ball, absolute chaos. It, 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 uh, you know, it's like watching a basketball game. Essentially, that's that's how it felt and. The entire game, I was saying to myself, when is Chelsea going to score again? And even when we went up 4-3, I was like, yeah, they're going to score again. Like, that's, that, that was just the feel that I had in the game. Um, and, and I feel like something that I noticed with a lot of the commentary around the, the Chelsea game was a lot about what City did wrong, but I also think Chelsea did a lot of things right. And they're pressing their, their pressure on the ball... You know, they, they didn't give they didn't give much of our team breathing space, which kind of turned it into that back and forth game because the possession was just getting lost and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, so they kind of made us play that game, but I still think the main theme with all these three games, you know, is finishing. We've, we've we're we're not finishing our, our chances when we get them and we're getting good good chances but then we're missing these good chances that applies pressure and then you do a defensive mistake which which can happen we know it can happen with this city team 
Um, just, it's just a it's just a byproduct of the way we play and the way teams pressure us. And yeah, that tends to happen. So, but yeah, that Chelsea game was crazy. <laughs> it was so intense. It was absolutely intense. And I, I've got a few Chelsea friends, and they were all stressing like that was the most stressful game ever to watch. But from my end, I was just like, this is just, this is not this is not City. This is not how we usually play. There's no control. And I don't know. I don't know what we could have changed to get that control. Maybe we should have started with Kovacic that game. But I think he was. I think he was wasn't fully fit. I've seen suggestions of Doku instead of Grealish. Uh, sorry, Grealish instead of Doku would have changed things. But I don't think that would have changed much either. I think. I think it was just the the way Chelsea played kind of bothered us a lot that game. And and they had stellar performances from a few players like Palmer and Sterling. Sterling absolutely was cooking that day. So you got to give credit to them as well. That's that's my opinion on that game. So, maybe I see this a little different. I feel like I've seen it a little different from most other people. I thought City, for the most part, dominated that game. I thought that Chelsea's goals came from stupid individual errors. And obviously those happen, and obviously, like, those need to be fixed. And those are, you know, they're as important as anything, because they can get you a draw just like they did here. Yeah. But um, I didn't think there was anything structurally wrong with City. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. to me is more of a red flag than just stupid individual errors. Like the Guardiola mistake for, I think it was the Sterling goal. Like that was, that I was there was like goal, three yeah. or four. To, yeah. There were three or four. You should have that. Yeah. You should have just cleared it. Yeah. I think there were, I think three out of the four goals in that game, like, were almost a direct result of awful city errors. And can can you say that's the pressure from Chelsea that made that happen? And to be fair, we've we've never, yes and we've, no. we've, never we've ne- yeah, we've never scored four goals or not won the game in the in the Pep era. So that's another thing. <laughs> I would say, I would say, obviously the pressure helped, but it's not like. City have never faced that pressure before. You know what I mean? Like, we faced, like, to me, there is no team that has ever pressed as good as, like, the 18-19 Liverpool, like, that Sadio Mane, Firmino, Salah, like, at the peak of their powers, Liverpool. I've never seen a team press City like that team. And so, I think it was a mixture. Obviously, they still forced City into some errors, but it was also individual errors as well. So... It's a little bit of both, but I would say for the most part, like when you look at the XG, when you look at the field tilt and the expected threat, I think the expected threat is the biggest thing. The expected threat kind of, it goes off of how much you actually threaten the opponent in your buildup rather than your the straight up yeah. shots. Because like, yeah, yeah. some of their highest XG chances came from like City giving the ball away in really stupid areas. But for the most part, our expected threat was like miles better than theirs. And yeah. uh, and overall, I, I thought City really did control the game. But like, I mean, it was still chaos ball, right? Yeah, so they controlled the game as much as you can for chaos ball. But also, I think that's like, maybe I'm different. I think Pep kind of preferred that. I like you can't go into the game expecting to just shut it down and play possession against Chelsea against like a Pochettino team. So you kind of have to yeah. embrace the chaos. And so 
Like when you look at the expected threat, for example, ours was 1.6 and theirs was 0.83. So almost double. Field tilt, ours was 71.2% versus their 28.7%. Our defensive action height was much higher, which means our press was like essentially we were winning the ball higher than they were. Um, and in even when you see like the ball progression and carrying stats, it's like City players are all much higher than the Chelsea players in terms of the ball progression. So I thought that that's just how Chelsea is going to play, and you kind of have to like you just can't shut it down and and slowly build up against them. So that's City's way of coping with it. And if not for a couple of terrible, like that game could have easily just been like a four, one or five, one game. And we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's move on from Chelsea. Um, you know, it was a while ago. It was a chaos, like chaotic game, as we said, but it was um, fun for the neutral. It was a blast. Yeah, to watch. For, for every neutral, they loved that game. They were, they were loving it. There was not a single person I spoke to. That's not a city fan or a Chelsea fan that said that was, that wasn't a great game. Um, so from that perspective, I'm glad they had fun. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I don't like seeing us concede four goals. <laughs> it, it, it's actually weird seeing us concede four goals. Like, I think last season, the last time we conceded three goals was United away. I think. No, United at home when we beat them six three. So that's six, the last three. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a while since we conceded that many goals in one game, which is crazy when you think about it, right? So. Um, but yeah, into Liverpool. That game was. Do you feel like we should have came out came out with a win in that game? Absolutely, I, I thought. Like City was were definitely a better side than Chelsea. I think City absolutely dominated Liverpool. I agree. Yeah, like, I agree. And I like you saw it after the game. Pep was so happy with how City played. Like. The like when you basically every stat city like one point seven five xg to point five three their expected threat was one point nine five to point nine seven field tilt seventy one point two like every Just, stat we, we dominate them in every stat yeah yes every stat like Liverpool should be thanking their lucky stars they came out with a point because yeah they needed a world class strike from Alexander Arnold and. A dodgy penalty decision, or you know, a dodgy VAR decision to go their way. Yeah. But other than that, City. Yeah, just, that, I think City dominated. Yeah, that ref decision. Although I think it should have stood, you know, but as as we all know, keepers are a protected species. <laughs> so I, I can't fault the ref for calling that. And as soon as he called it on the field, it was never going to get overturned. Um, I can't really get mad about that. But at the end of the day, for me, that Liverpool game comes to the theme of finishing, right? We, we had enough chances to to finish that game and we should have finished that game. I, I think we had, there was a chance just before Trent Trent's goal, which, which like you said, is a world-class finish. You can't, you know, it's not, it's not a defensive mistake. I think we had a very, very good defensive game in that game. Um, but we had, a, we had a very good chance to score just before they scored. And I was just like, oh God, like just typical city where we, where we almost score and then we can see it on the other, on the other end of the, of the field. It was one of those, <clears throat> it's one of those games where I've, I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans getting excited about their result because like they, you know, got a one point from, from the Etihad. I think they realized they stole a point essentially. Right. So, Oh yeah. 
you know, for them to get out of there without losing, without giving us three points, in a way, it's a win for them because they, they didn't deserve anything out of that game. Like, from a performance-wise, like you said, we smashed them in every stat. And, and on top of that, we didn't have any bad performers in that game. Like, you look at the Chelsea game, you can see Gavardio had a bad game, Diaz had a bad game. Like, there was a few players that had bad games in that game. And same thing with the Leipzig game in the first half. Diaz, again, had a bad first half. Um, Akanji had a bad first half. Like, there was multiple errors in those in those games where we concede. But against Liverpool, you look at the entire squad and you go, did anyone have a bad game? I wouldn't say so. I think we had a lot of players that had near, near 9 or 10, 10 out of 10 performances, right? So, like, Bernardo was, like, amazing in that game. So, Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake. Ake. You didn't even hear Mo Salah's name because yeah, of Nathan Ake. I- and, and you've got to give credit to Nathan Aka. Like, he came on on the Leipzig game, and we, we come on to this in a bit. But he came on in the second half, and he didn't get a mention. But he should have he should have got came of the match, in a way, because oh, he, came yeah. on the, he, get, he came on in the second half and just shut it down. He's, he's a fantastic one-on-one defender. And, and to me, right now, right now, Pep's got a hard decision to make. I feel like he should drop Diaz for Ake until Diaz clears his head and sorts out whatever is going on in his personal life. Apparently, he's got a few things going on there. But I feel like Ake should deserve a spot because every time he's played, he's been impeccable. And Diaz, unfortunately, has not been. So either Diaz or Akanji has to come out and Ake has to come in. And I feel like it's Diaz, unfortunately, which which is strange for me to say because I think Diaz is one of the best defenders in the world and he's been the linchpin of, of our success in the last three seasons. Like he, The guy hasn't doesn't know what it's like to not win the Premier League when, since he's been at City. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's... You know, you got to give credit to the, to the team against Liverpool. But yeah, again, one goal is not enough. And that's why you need that second or third goal a lot of the times, right? And, and you remember last season, right? We used to always concede one goal. <laughs> and we used to always have to score three goals to make sure that we win the game. It's the same thing this season. I think we've kept, what, five clean sheets in 20-something games, 26 games? Yeah, not many. Yeah, not many clean sheets, right? So we're going to concede. We're going to concede goals. And we've had a lot of defensive errors. So... Unfortunately, in this Liverpool game, we didn't have a... Well, I should say fortunately. We didn't have a defensive error. But they still scored because they've got world-class players. So, you've got to balance it out. The, the, the attacking side's got to do well. So, against Chelsea, the attacking side did well, which I, I think they could have done better. <laughs> Just saying something. Um, but again, it's both both ends of the field have to you know hold up their bargain. End of the bargains. Because... We, we, we're about to hit the, sh- the stretch where I think we need to start going on a run. So, we've got a few key games coming up as well. Yeah, I I, I think so. So, let's... Leipzig? Kind of par- the, parlay that into Leipzig. So, you know, like we said, Liverpool was one of City's better games this season in terms of the way they played. And, like, yeah. look, I, I get that the result is a draw. So, to say, like... People are going to say, oh, well, it's really dumb that you would say that's one of City's best performances. But the performance to me, like how the team plays is more important than the result because the result exactly. almost always follows the performance. Like yeah. it, it, in the vast majority of the time follows the performance. You can put in, you can put in a million terrible performances. The result doesn't always follow just because you get a one-off win. Just look at uh, Manchester United so, for re- results and performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's exactly what it is. So 
to me, like that was one of the best performances. And that that's why I think we saw Pep was just so happy with it. Right. Yeah. Now moving on, uh, obviously for, for both Chelsea and Leipzig, they weren't the best performances. I thought city, you know, especially with Chelsea, like, you know, we talked about individual errors. It's just, that's part of performance. So yeah. it's not. And then Leipzig, I mean, talk about a tale of two halves. Yeah, that first half. It's poor everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, it was really odd because I thought City, like, there were definitely spaces there, right? Like, if you look at the scoreline, you see City down 2-0. You're like, what the hell is going on? And when you watch the game, you're like, well, there's spaces there. It was just like there was just something not clicking in the final third. It wasn't just like missing shots. It was like the final pass or something like or like there was one where I think it was Foden put Holland through on goal. Holland was through and just like a bad touch and couldn't get it out of his feet and score. Like it was just always something like that. But watching the game, you're like, there's spaces there. Like there's goals to be scored. Yeah. And then just two terrible defensive errors where they have a really fast guy as a striker and he just wrong sides Akanji the first time and Diaz the second time. And he's one-on-one with the keeper and two nil, you know what I mean? But overall, like city city played, I would say they, they weren't great, but like it went like a normal city first half would go, I would say. But those defensive errors were just, they were so glaring. And you don't, you don't think we lacked attacking threat in that first half? I, I thought, you know, I, I missed a lot of the first half on the first watch, but from watching a bit of highlights and a, and a bit of it, I feel like we weren't as threatening if you know what I mean, with, with terms of passing and progressing the ball. And it, it leads to an interesting discussion about Grealish versus Doku, right? Is, is Grealish cooked in terms of losing his position to Doku? I think, okay, this is the best way to put it. Uh, City were less threatening, but, or no, they were just as threatening. I think they were less sharp. If that makes sense. Like yeah, yeah, the tactics was there. The movement was there. The space was there. But, like, they just weren't sharp. Like, the passes were getting misplaced. And, yeah, it was sloppy. Exactly. And that needed to change. That needed to be picked up. I didn't think much of it was on Grealish, though. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like if, if the sharpness was there, there was nothing wrong with the tactics. And I thought Grealish did fine. I think he was decisive. He... The one thing that really bothers me is when he gets it on the wing and he just like stands the guy up and just fakes one way, fakes the other way, fakes and just like standing there with the ball, and he's kind of indecisive. Yeah, I didn't think he did that. I thought he was he was pretty decisive there. It's just like there's that thing that sharpness lacking, and I felt like goals were going to come. We just had to put it together. I think I, I think I even tweeted that at halftime. Like put this yeah, together yeah. and goals will be there. Yeah, he and. Did, he did. And I actually, I'll even tell you, I bet City at halftime. So I could bet <laughs> City at f- at three and a half to one in America plus 350. Um, 
three and a half to one to win the game it, while we were down two nil. And I bet city because I'm like, there's we're coming back. I, I just thought I'm like, we're going to Pep's going to bollock them at halftime and we're going to come out much sharper. We're going to, and we actually have some substitution depth and we saw it, you know, bring on Alvarez and Doku and boom, goal like immediately, immediately after they got subbed on. Yeah, it was it was an incident, and I, I think the Ake sub at halftime for Diaz was very important. And he, I think it was he huge. Came, he came on, and and within like, I think it was within the first two minutes, he did a defensive stop, and was like, "Yep, okay, there we go, no more mistakes." Ake's cleaning it up. <laughs> well, that and you like Diaz was so close to get like he could have easily gotten a second. Yeah, yellow. he was already he was already Pep on was a yellow like, card. Get him off. Yeah, Pep was like, get him off. I like. Yeah. I think it was more for the. I think if Diaz didn't have a yellow, he wouldn't have gotten. He might have not subbed him, yeah. But I, I think it was but a good Pep sub. was like, get him off. It was a great yeah. sub. It was it yeah. was great, and I think it helped too that Ake is just much quicker, and dealing with that counterattacking threat like that I th- Openda, I think we, that guy is quick. Yeah, I think we scored like twenty seconds after the substitutions. Literally, like <laughs> was, the was, next was that- move. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was actually, yeah. Look, so we did the subs at fifty-four minutes, and then we scored on the fifty-fourth minute. So yeah, it was literally the next move, um, which was which is a great goal by Haaland, by the way. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. the typical Haaland goal that you want to see, and his mentality in that game was something else. He was driving a lot of the a lot of the um the comeback, the you know like the bringing the team together. I think he, uh, I think I even tweeted about Haaland running back when we were down two-one to do a defensive stop. Um, you know, you had Akanji's jogging back, I don't know why, and then you had Haaland sprinting past all of them to come back and help in the box. And it's like, that's that's the mentality you need, you know, for a, for a game game week five match, you know, <laughs> in December where Haaland sets the tone, and that's what you want from a superstar player. So you got to give credit to Haaland for for doing things like little little things like that. I think it helps the teams in terms of the mentality, you know, and and the desire of I want this more and I want to win this game. And you could see Harlan how excited he was every time he scored. Like he's, he loves us winning and he wants to win. And I, Yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's one of the things we worried about coming into the season, you know, is the mentality still going to be there. And I feel like players like Harland bring that mentality. And that's, and that's what I love to see in that game. When he, when he ran back, I'm like, I'm like why is Harlan the only one sprinting back? <laughs> well, we've got all these center backs and they're not, they're not sprinting as fast as he is. Holland, that that was so great when he got back like that. Like, when he was just sprinting back. He's like, if you're not doing it, I'm doing it. Wonderful to watch. Yeah, basically. Exactly exactly that. And that, and that's what was impressive for me. But at the same time, it was like, our defenders need to do better because they're not doing better. I feel like Akanji had a poor game as well. Like, not sure not sure what's going on with, with Akanji and Diaz this season. But it could be a combination of, you know, learning... Learning with Gavardio, not having John Stones, you know, playing Walker more as a right back instead of having four centre backs in the lineup. There's there's a few combinations that are happening in defence that are potentially causing it, and there is something happening with Diaz apparently on a personal level. I think his his girlfriend got attacked or something like that, um, which could be factoring into into something that's you know personal life can always affect your professional life, and these people are human at the end of the day, so. You, you, they, they, they're going to have those feelings and they could dip, have dips in form. Um, 
But overall, look, the second half was, to me, night and day from that first half. And as soon as Alvarez and Doku came on, the game changed uh, from an attacking point of view. And it was an interesting point as well. You know, when you start Doku, Alvarez, Foden and Haaland all together, the options on the bench become, you know, when you when you want a goal, who do you bring off the bench, right? It becomes mm-hmm. Grealish as the only other attacking option. So I feel like we need, and this, this will help us when we have De Bruyne back um, because one of Alvarez or Foden has to drop to the bench in those games when, 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 when Kevin's playing. But what's interesting in this game was we did start with Grealish instead of Doku and and Lewis instead of Alvarez in that, you know, higher midfield role. But as soon as we need to chase something, we have options. And it's always good to have options. And that's a that's a when and I've seen something someone I can't remember who tweeted this, but you know, they put it out there that having all four players on means you have much less limited options when you're actually chasing the game. Which I kind of agree with it. I feel like it's a, it's an issue because our squad is thin at the moment. Some part yeah. due to injury, some part due to how we built the squad in the summer. Yeah, that and also like there's just some guys that you can't really rely on yet. You know what I mean? Like I think when Kovacic kind of gets up to speed a little more and Nunez gets up to speed more, then that brings more options, right? Like that that brings a different yeah, but, type of threat if you need it. Whereas but, right but, now but for you me, can't really rely on them. Yeah, but for me, Kovacic and Nunez, you know, we're in December and neither have showed an ability in the box, right? So even with them on the bench, you know, we've gone from Gundogan and Mahrez, um from the bench, right, to, well, not from the bench, but like, you know, Gundogan was starting, which meant someone else was on the bench. But you had more options on the bench because they were all they all had a goal threat in them. But at the moment, we don't have a goal threat off the bench. And again, it comes down to Kevin being out for being been out for a while. But as soon as he's back, we'll have one to two options at least on the bench. But I think it's really important for us to have those options on the bench because when you're chasing a game and you need to change it up, you want to, you know, like you could get a change from. Grealish on the wing to Doku on the wing. Doku was just going at it nonstop. I think he had the most dribbles in the game again, like the most successful dribbles. And he played you know, 35 minutes, which is crazy. The guy's just mental. Just likes He just likes dribbling. Oh, you know, <laughs> that's his game. <laughs> but you could see as soon as he came on, we there was more direct on that side. Um, but you could see having that option is something that we're going to need going forward. And it's an interesting thing. Like Maybe we do need to start one less of those four players at the moment until Kevin's back, just so we can have an option off the bench to change things up when we need to. Uh, I mean, but it's not always as simple as, you know, br- oh, we need a goal, bring in a guy who can score a goal on the bench, right? It it, could no, it's be, not that. It's, it's just it could more be about more changing the game. Thing. But it's just about more changing the game, right? So sometimes you bring someone off the bench and it's not, a, it's not about structural or, you know, that guy's going to go get me a goal. It's more about I'm changing it up so the opponent has to adjust and then suddenly things change. It's it's a combination of of changes that are happening at the same time and then it changes the game just by by making one sub or one impact sub. But when we have Maybe, those four on the, four on the field, we don't have anything on, off the bench. Yeah, but sometimes you don't need, like, for example, in Liverpool, I, I wouldn't want him to have changed the game. You know what I mean? There's nobody... Mm. 
Like the game was already going. So like, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, one yeah. thing if the game is not going the way you want it to go and you're not winning, right? Like if it's nil nil and you don't even look threatening, that's different than if you're hammering them and you just you haven't gotten the ball across the line, keep going. You know what I mean? Like, one of them will eventually get in, I think. And if not, oh, well. But, like, you don't want to mess up that balance if you're hammering them. You know what I mean? And that's why we'd see it a lot, especially in years past, where maybe City's down a goal and they make a sub. And this is, like, the very you know Sunday football punditry of, like, Gary Neville. Like, oh, just bring on a striker, right? <laughs> and that's it. Whereas, like, and they would, like, they would – they would criticize Pep for it because it would be like, you know, City's down a goal and he would like sub on Gundogan for David Silva. And you're like, well, that doesn't do anything. But then Gundogan like does something and the game looks more stable or he just makes a a sub like that or, you know, maybe subs on, I don't know, like John Stones at center back for Vincent Company or like something weird, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the game just looks so much and that in turn makes City look more threatening. So it's not always just, you know, simple as, oh, bring on a guy who's a goal threat. But I do think you do need weapons, right? And do I don't know. For to, me, like, do you think? Do you think we need to go out in the in the January window? I've seen suggested. I, I feel like people have said this a lot. Do you think we need to go out in the January window and get another player in? I would like that. I w- especially if Calvin Phillips leaves, I would like somebody what, what, who can what play would you all get? over would you midfield. Get, would you get an attacking midfielder or would you get another winger? Because something something interesting, right, is Doku's best position is clearly left wing, right? He, you know, Pep's played him right wing only a few times, which means it limits your options and who can play wing because you can't, he hasn't done Grealish and Doku on the wing yet. I think he's done it once. It is, it is really weird because he played almost exclusively on the right wing at Rennes. Yeah, but, but for us, he's playing, he plays so much better yeah. on the left because the way he cuts in and, and has, a, has a scoring threat when he plays on the left. So, and, you know, Pep likes those wingers that are invert and then go off their strong foot and, you know, and which is why he likes them on the left. So, in a way, it's like, well, how do you, how do you manage this? You know, do we need another winger? Do we need to go out and buy an actual right winger? Because <laughs> when we bought Doku, we thought we were getting a right winger, and the expectation was that Doku would be the right wing understudy to Foden at the time, or even Bernardo, which none of that has happened, and he's played left wing almost exclusively. And the person sitting on the bench is, uh, you know, hundred pound, hundred pound, hundred million pound Jack Grealish. So I think it's weird enough. I think. I don't think City would go for a winger this summer or, or this wait. winter. I think they'll wait till this summer, depending on what happens with Bernardo, because I think Pep would feel good about his options with Bernardo. Right now, yeah, because he, he, can, he can play Foden and Bernardo on the right wing. Yeah, and they're, guess, they're yeah. both very good on the right wing in different ways, right? And we've seen that. Yeah. like we, we saw just this week. Foden played on the right wing and Bernardo played centrally against Liverpool, and then he's swap them it. against <laughs> Leipzig. So, and they were both equally great in different and completely different ways. So, um, I think Pep is happy with that option until this summer. It wouldn't surprise me to see 
an all-around midfielder come in. Somebody who's honestly like the I know we've seen the link to Tony Cruz. Like that makes sense to me. That makes a lot of sense. And and it's yeah. because he can play anywhere in midfield. He's played for Pep before. He's I know he's older, and but he's not really going to require tons of like. It's not like we need him to come in right away and play every single match. So he'll get plenty of rest. You know he can come in, and you know he's a world class player, and you know like you know what you're getting out of him, right? It's it's, mm. and he's a very ready made player. That's why I think that's the type of player we need is somebody who you can just kind of like a Kovacic type of player where you you know what you're getting from him. You know he can come in and play, and you just need the depth there. And I think he would be good to give Rodri more of a break um, and just kind of boost that depth in midfield and maybe only sign for like a year or two, right? But there's not many guys who can come in and do that in a pep system just because it takes so long to learn the system, right? But Tony Cruz played for Pep and was very, very good. So Pep never wanted him to leave. So it wouldn't surprise me if a player like that did come in. Or even, I mean, you could even see it with City maybe looking to the future to like a a Pacata if he is cleared by January. Which I don't Um, think he will be. I don't either, but it's possible to see that as well because he's really, I think he could make an impact right away. And that's I know a more oh, he's a talented further forward he, side, and he can play the ball forward, which is something we're lacking when De Bruyne is not here. Yeah, so I overall that's the type of signing I would like to see, but I don't know, maybe uh, kind of like what you said earlier, something structural with City's defense. I don't see anything structural that they've like. I don't see any structural issues, right? Like I saw structural issues the first half of last season. And then, you know, City fixed those. We kind of went to a more pronounced 3-2, and that's when Stone started stepping into midfield and all, all that fun stuff. Rico Lewis played more. Um Yeah, I feel like Pep. Here this I don't see structural issues. I yeah, just I see like individual Pep- errors. Yeah. I feel like Pep's um He's experimented, but he's experimented experimented by being forced to because of key players. Sorry, excuse me. Key players being out in John St- John Stones and Kevin De Bruyne, right? So those two players being out by default changes your entire team. So it's more of that rather than the structure issue, like you say. Um, last I think Akanji is getting better and better too at that Stones role. Yeah, he, he is. But John Stone still, to me, is day and night in comparison. Yes, but if you can have somebody that's functional in that role, then that is really helpful, right? Because without Stones, you can't even play that way, right? Like, then you have yeah. to – then essentially what, what you have to do is you have to drop another midfielder, and then you have to play Walker high and wide. And, yes, it's the same sort of structure, but you lose something in attacking because – then Walker is essentially part of the attack, and that takes away from an extra midfielder part of the attack, which you would rather have an extra midfielder than Kyle Walker. Whereas, you know, with with Akanji being able to step into midfield and at least do a serviceable job, that 
allows the integrity and the structure of the team to stay the same as if John Stones were there. And I thought Akanji did really, really good against Liverpool. I think he had one pretty bad giveaway. Other than that, I thought he was very good. Hmm. In, yeah. At least in that role. And so, and you know, it's going to take time. John Stones got better and better as the season went on in that role as well. And so I expect the same thing from Akanji because I think we've learned that we can't really trust John Stones to stay healthy for an entire season. Yeah, and yeah it's unfortunate. He's such a he's such a Rolls Royce of a player. Like he's he's so damn good, but it's unfortunate that he's 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 you know kryptonite basically is injury issues. Because I think he's phenomenal. What a phenomenal player! Like we're get, we're gonna need him for the for the for the home stretch of the season. One hundred percent. I'd rather him be fit. If he look, if he's not fit between now and you know. He's, you know, the whole the whole beginning of the season up until January, but then he's fit from February till May. Fine, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Just be fit from February to May. I, I, give me three to four months, and I'm good. Because <laughs> he's that yeah. good that you take those three, you take those three to four months of absolute world class play, <laughs> even if he misses the first half of the season. And look, we're still in the, yeah. still in the title race. That's, you know, with all these results, you know, we drew against Chelsea, we drew against Liverpool. Um, and we've got two very, very tough games coming up. But we're still only one point away from Arsenal at the moment. So, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, we're, we've dropped games that we that we won last season. But at the same time, we, we've we won games that we dropped points to last season as well. So, like, we beat United at Old Trafford this season when we got absolutely robbed of all three points last season. Um, so things we're only a out. third of the way in the season, anyway. Yeah, things, like, things balance. Things balance I don't remember out. That. Yeah, things balance out. We got we got a very very key December stretch coming up, and you know you you put six seven wins in a row, and then suddenly you've got breathing space again. It's just interesting. You know, I've seen a lot of debate around who's going to be the biggest title challenger: um, Arsenal or Liverpool. And a lot of people lean to Liverpool. Um, but something interesting about Arsenal is. They're top of the table, but they're not playing the best. So if they do figure it out and staying like last season, they are a threat. They are going to be a big threat. Um, and you see Liverpool, like I, you know, after that game of watching us play Liverpool from a title race perspective, I still think we're miles better than them. We're miles better than anyone in the competition right now. I, so, I think so too. I think so too. I think Arsenal is definitely the closest challenger, but I don't see like. City and Arsenal was a basic even match, and City was missing Rodri and didn't play very well. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and they scored like, a deflected goal, which can happen. Yeah, exactly. Like that was a basic even match, and I know they were missing Bukayo Saka, but Rodri is, I think, wholly more important to the way City play than Saka. Like Saka is obviously mm-hmm. a huge mess for them, but like Rodri is central to the way City play. In, because of their buildup, because against the pressure, all of that is so much more important, I think. And yeah, so, and, and there's nothing wrong about dropping points at the Emirates at Stamford Bridge. Like it, it can happen in a season. It, what's important is when we go back to the Etihad, we we beat those two teams because um, that's where you're meant to pick up points. You you know you're more likely to pick up points at home than away. And over the season, things will balance out. You know. Hopefully, we don't lose yeah. to Brentford twice this season, but, you know, it's games like that, right? So, um, where you can 
gain points back. I think we're right now we're on pace for 84 points, right? Which is okay. It's not not the the same levels that we used to, but we've had tough games and we've got two very big games coming up as well. So Spurs at home and then Aston Villa away, which I, which basically means we've played we would have played everyone in top 4 or top 5, I should say. You know, I think Villa's top 5, Spurs, Arsenal and Liverpool. So we've played those four teams all within a space of about a month and a half. So, you know, you're not going to get from those four or five teams, you're not going to get 12 or 15 points. It's not, you can't expect that. You're going to drop points in, in a season. Yeah, and that's, and I would also say this, like, we talk about all of these things, like, you make it sound like City, City obviously have not played their best this season. You've seen games where they have played their best and even if the result isn't the best they played really well right but city never played well early in the season like they always pick it up throughout the season right yeah this, this is generally the time when we either pick it up or february right so i've seen a lot of people say february but generally without a world cup season it's december so december yeah, for me is the month where i look at it and I go we either pick up steam now but sometimes we have picked up steam i think the only other season that we picked up steam after, besides last year, was eighteen nineteen. We picked up steam, and this is where the seasons are won and lo- won and lost, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this winter window is usually when you see a team that runs away with. This is generally around the time you see it starting, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah I agree. And also, like with all of this, remember, like so, City have scored the most goals in the Premier League this year and have um and they're third in goals against which 10 11 and arsenal has 10 goals against liverpool has 11 against city have 13 against and i know we've talked about that but and then also when you look at like when you look at more advanced stuff in in xg models the expected goals differential so essentially what city is the the chances city are giving up versus the chances City are creating, they have by far the highest expected goal differential, right? And so that will translate on the field. You know, like that, that's just how that works. That translates on the field to where, you know, like, because City's at 1.09, the next highest is Arsenal at 0.94. So, the, that'll that translates on the field, and mm. it's only a matter of time before you. And that's going to get even greater. Like City's only going to get better. You're only going to get more from Kovacic and Nunez and even Doku. We're going to, like this. Isn't the best of Doku that we're seeing, right? Hundred percent. So and, and, and defensive stability will improve as well. So right now, I don't think like for the Guardiola's only going to get better. Yeah, for the quality of players that we have. I don't think defensively we're performing at our peak. Like nowhere near our peak, I should say. You know, Diaz has gone from making like no errors to two and or three in two games, right? So yeah. things like that where over the season will get better. Stones will come back. On the attacking side, you'll have De Bruyne feeding balls to Haaland, feeding balls to the rest of the team, giving that X factor from outside the box. And then things will change again, right? So for me, you know, December and especially now, like Spurs coming up, I feel like it's a key game. We need to beat Spurs. And I feel like our play style, the only concern I have with Spurs is they play 
such a high and aggressive press that it could bother us, similar to how it went against Chelsea. But they'll leave acres of space in behind. So as long as we can find that ball in behind to Haaland, and Spurs are missing two of their best defenders in uh, Van der... Van der... I can't remember his name. Van der... Something Van. Um, Van der Van. Van der Van, right? So he's a fantastic centre-back and... Um, Very good. And uh, Romero, who caught the red card. Romero, yeah. Yeah, so he caught the red card, so he's out as well. So they've got the two centre-back pairings out. I think there's a chance Eric Dyer starts and... In, at centre back, I feel like he played Hoiberg the other game instead of Dyer. So the, la- the last last game against Villa that they lost, Hoiberg. His, his center no, his centre back pairing was Ben Davis and Emerson Royale. There you go, right? So if right if, if Harlan if Harlan can't score a hat trick against those two players, then something's wrong with our build up. That's that's what it's going to come down to, or it'll be a terrible finishing day, which he has had this season. But for me we should be able to get in behind off Spurs a fair bit because Ainge, plus, uh, Ainge is just going to play the exact same way. He doesn't He doesn't change. He's like Pep. He's kind of stuck in his ways where he'll, he won't adjust to the opponent. He's like, we're just going to go out and attack. So he, they'll come at us. That and it's, it's at City too. Yeah, it's at the Etihad, right? So for me, it's a game. We should absolutely belt them. I know we've had very, very weird games against Spurs in the past. But this is one of those games where that shouldn't be happening, right? Maybe the reverse fixture when we play at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where we've never scored, different story. But when it comes to the Etihad playing Spurs, I feel like we should still win this game and we should beat him comfortably. Um, then again, I said the same thing about Chelsea and we've seen how chaos ball changed that whole, whole game. But for me, that game is a key game because right after, got Aston Villa away, which is a tough place to go. And they're a team in form. They're part, I think that this second best team in 2023 in terms of points and form. They're, in, they're in fourth place right now. They're in fourth place right now. I think they're one point off the top or two points off the top. But yeah. they're actually, but they're actually. I think they ha- they haven't lost a game at home either in a long time. I think that I don't they're, think they've they're lost a solid a, team. I don't think they've lost a game at home in 2023. So I've got an Aston Villa friend of mine. Um, he was saying. You know, I'm worried about you guys coming to our home stadium because you might ruin our record. And I'm like, well, we always struggle there anyway, so it'll be an interesting game. Um, but it's interesting because Emery plays very, very different to the other times that we've gone away at Aston Villa. Usually when we go away at Aston Villa, they play a low block. They frustrate us and, you know, but Emery plays a, a very, very different play style. He's a bit more open. So it'll be interesting to see how we play again in that game. But it is a tough place to go. So two very key games. We get through these two games with six, six out of six points. It's I feel like set up very, very well to go on a on a big run in, in December and, and leading into January when, when De Bruyne is back. So for me, that there it's, it's such such two key fixtures. Because we in a way, like I don't think we're at the level now where we can afford many more drop points, right? If you drop, if you drop both, both games, doesn't look doesn't look, doesn't have a good outlook. So you need to pick up at least four out of six points. I'd say. I think, to me, City need to get six out of six, and yeah, that's just because we've dropped games early in the season already. I would like to see, like I think Spurs, we should. We should destroy them, quite honestly. Now, will we? I don't know, but we should. Like, it, I'm. If you're playing Ben Davis 
and Eric Dyer as a center back pairing with a high line against Erling Holland, you're just asking for it. You know, and he'll I mean? play and he'll play the high line though. <laughs> oh yeah. He he was down to nine men and played the high line. So <laughs> that was a crazy game. He crazy will game. play like he will do it. And I think I just think City at home, like that needs to be like in a, a resounding win. Not like a one nil. Like that needs to be a resounding like I'd expect us to win if they had Van de Ven and Romero. So with that center back, it reminds me of remember that one time City played Liverpool and Liverpool had to play like Henderson and Fabinho at center back because all their center backs were injured. And I think we beat them like four nil. That's what that reminds me of. Mm. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. We, it should be a game that we're up 3-0 by halftime. That's how I look at it, honestly. Like, it should be a game we're yeah. up comfortably. And they'll attack, though. So, right? so we've got to deal with their attack because they are a good attacking team. They've got Son, Kulisevsky, um Brennan Johnson. Brennan Johnson is playing really, really well. So, uh, Is James Madison going to be back for this game? No, that would no, also no. be a big loss. So no James Madison, no Bentecourt, no Vendever, no Romero. They're missing. I know they played La Celso last game, which I yeah, forgot. I didn't even they, know. We, I didn't even know he was still on Spurs. He kept getting yeah, loaned out, and they, and they played Brian Gill as well. I'm pretty sure. So like they've had. Yeah, they've got so many key injuries, right? And they're still playing well. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think Basuma's back for the next game, though. I think he was suspended, um, but he'll be back for against us, and he's he's played very very well um, in midfield. But they'll pressure us. They'll they'll threaten our goal multiple times in the game. So. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if Pep goes for a similar lineup to Chelsea, where he goes, "Well, I'm just going to attack you, and I'll deal with the pressure on the other side," or does he go for a lineup that goes, "We're going to control this game. You're not going to get a sniff at our goal, and we might get two or three big chances." In saying no, that, I, I think he'll I, go. I for feel it. like, yeah, I feel like we need to go for it There's at home to too. Yeah, yeah, it just needs to be a battering. And and like you were saying, you, you said we've dropped a lot of points this season already early on. But if you look at the games that we've dropped points in, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Arsenal away, and Wolves away. It's not that bad when you look at those fixtures, right? It's, it's, and and two of those fixtures were without Rodri, which we know is a, he's a key player. And as soon as he's out, <laughs> the team seems to fall apart. Um, so for me, I'm not, from a, from a performance and a points-wise, I'm not that concerned. I feel like we're in a good spot right now, one point at the top, and we know City will pick up form eventually and then just go on a run. They always do it. It's that's We've seen it for eight years. I think we've only had one year where we didn't go on a run that ended up us winning the league or, you know, doing what Pep yeah. does essentially. So I'm not that worried. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think we're going to be – I think we'll be just fine. I'm not too worried. I still think – Honestly, I think we're still better than everyone. I think Arsenal is the only team that's somewhat challenging, but they're still very emotional, right? Yeah, like they, they're better defensively this season, but not better. At they time. are exactly, and but as they're I'm still like they're, Gabriel they're Jesus is still their striker. <laughs> as I'm talking right now about their attack not working well, I think they're up six 0 against Lens. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, like with Arsenal, I 
they're the only but like Liverpool look miles off of City. And I think Jurgen Klopp like this is not the same Liverpool that was toe to toe with City for years. It's just not. And you know, after Liverpool where like Villa's good, but they're not they're not gonna challenge City. Spurs, same thing. I like they're good, but they're not gonna challenge it. And then you get down to who, United? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and so, some something else with them with Arsenal is they haven't played many of their their tough games away, right? So they mm-hmm. haven't played. Um, I don't think they've even played Villa. No, they haven't played Villa. So they haven't played Villa away. They haven't played Liverpool away. They haven't played City away. They haven't played. Um, what did I say? Arsenal away. Tottenham away. United away. So they, they've played most of their big games at home anyway. Um. So for me, it's like, yeah, they they've got a lot to prove this season still, but they have looked yep. defensively more solid. But it's not it's not coming up on the attacking end. But we'll see. They've they've got very tough games away this season that they haven't played at all. So for them to only be one point clear, which is a lot worse than what they were doing at this time last season, where they did win key games away from home, in comparison to this season. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting. It's going to be an interesting title race, but it, it, it's definitely looking like a triple header. It'll be interesting to see if Aston Villa can stay up. I feel like Tottenham will drop off because of the injury issues. Um, yeah, it's just, just unsustainable. And that was one of the, the key things as soon as all those players went out, we said, yeah, they're not going to be able to sustain the levels that they were playing at. So it'll end up being between those three teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. It's an interesting... Interesting time so far. I think, okay, here's another thing that I think has been incredible this season. Rico Lewis, man. I mean, <laughs> what can you he say about is him? so it's good. <laughs> and he got it. And congratulations to him. He got his um, England call as well. And he looked great in that game as well. I think he was man of the match. Yeah. He, yeah. He was man of the match. He, he just looks so comfortable so early, even more so than Foden. And I'm not saying he's better it's than crazy or it's anything crazy. like that. But I think Foden definitely shows more like showed more raw talent at his age. Like you could see Foden, you're gonna say, like, that guy is going to be one of maybe one of the best English players ever by the time he's done. Right? That's what you see in Foden. Whereas in um, Enrico Lewis, you see how you're like that guy can be world class at many positions. Like I see him, like I would see like Philip Lom or Joshua Kimmich. Like mm-hmm. he is just so comfortable so early, and those guys like just because of the position they play and the way they play, they'll never get the recognition they deserve. But they are just so good and hugely important to the team and Rico Lewis, man. I mean, he's just looks, he looks so mature and comfortable on the ball. Like he there's, when you see him in the lineup, there is really no drop off. And that's crazy to say for a kid who's not even 19 yet. Yeah. And Pep made a great comment. He goes, if Rico Lewis was a little bit taller, he you'd would be talking be, about him as one of the best in the world. Yeah, you'd be talking about it as a generational player, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because I think it does limit him a little bit because 
he would probably be one of the, for me he'd be like a Bellingham right if if he was a little bit taller because he'd have that athletic ability and the size to to outmuscle opponents and to to be a presence in midfield because he's a great midfielder it's just unfortunately the height does limit him a little bit but you know there's other I think he'll there's other benefits of being a small player, right? You can have a low center of gravity, etc., which helps you dribble, helps you uh, link up a little bit better. Um, so he'll give us something else. And we've had short plays before, like Bernardo, David Silva, etc. So it's just about how he applies, you know, those skill sets to his to his body, and that's fine. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, I, I think he will learn how to use that body as he goes forward. Well, first off. He's not. He might not be done growing. He's eighteen, so he still could grow another inch or two. You never know. Um, so that's the first thing. Second is he like he'll probably he'll stock up too, like he'll, he'll become stronger. That's one thing we said yeah, about Phil age. at the time. Yeah, he'll stock with up with age. He'll get stronger, and then that sort of negates the height thing. Yeah, like yeah. you said, like we had David Silva, we had like Eden Hazard was a little guy. Like, yeah, look, there, look, you can be little and be very good in this league. Yeah, look, look at Doku. Doku has a lot of strength. Someone like Sterling as well has a lot of strength. Um, and as they grow into their body, they just become a stronger, stronger. Per, uh, yeah, you yeah. basically become an adult essentially, and you, your your body adjusts to how you are. And yeah, I think he'll be he'll be a lot better in time. But for his age and the skill set that he has, he's just a natural. He's, yeah. he's getting he's getting starting minutes in a city team at nineteen. Like this is the trouble the trouble winning team, and you're you're getting key minutes at nineteen. That speaks volumes yeah. of the type of player that he is. Here's a question I have for you because I know this has been the topic of debate since the Liverpool game. Do you think that Jeremy Doku lacks some sort of end product in the box? No. I I I seen those arguments online, and I was like, "What is everyone waffling about?" Like, if if he dribbles past a player, puts a ball into the into the box, and another player doesn't connect, a he doesn't get any stats for it, right? And it counts as a missed pass. But that's end product. Him him finding the right player is still end product. Just because he's not yeah, scoring that- doesn't mean, it. and and he still had threat to score. I, I, there's a lot of times where I think maybe he should just be more selfish and go himself. But he he tends to, he tends to look up and actually look for a play. And we I think me and you spoke about this after the Bournemouth game. He's very very good at finding the right player. He's very good at it for for a young player in a Pep team to dribble past a lot of players and successfully dribble. And then find the right man almost every time is exactly what you want from a winger. I, I, I don't I don't know how people are saying he doesn't have an end product. And and he's young. He's 22, 21. He's got the time to build an end product. Go look at Sadio Armani at 21. Right? But like what uh, well like, I just don't understand what they're talking about. Like uh, the, I don't know. Because I've That's heard why it a lot. Nothing and especially after it. the Liverpool game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Liverpool, he was by he was City's most threatening player. Right? Like and after that game, you're gonna say that it was, it was he was trend. he had Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like it's not like he's getting past his man and just blaming it into the box 
aimlessly. You know what yeah, I mean? 100%. He looks he up every time. Out, yeah. He picks somebody out every time. And also remember, like, where you are, that's fairly low percentage, right? Because you're beating your man. There's always more defenders than there are attackers in the box, right? Yeah, so you have to look up. You have to pick out your man. That man's got to gotta connect and, and score, right? So those a lot things outside of his control have to go right for that to become a goal. But that is threatening. It's not like when I see no end product, to me, I think of like, Jesus and Sterling in the box more than I do. Like, for example, when Sterling's in the same situation at City and he beats his man to the byline and then the ball's on his left foot, you know nothing's happening from it, right? Like, because <laughs> yeah, you you know that he's going to have to get back on his right foot because he can't put, like, he wasn't good at picking the right man out with his weaker foot. And he would have to, like, cut back and then maybe find somebody and, Doku is so much more decisive and you see like you see direction where the ball goes and there's somebody there like he's picking out his pass and it's not like aimlessly like flashing the ball across the box and hoping somebody gets on it. And so yeah, I I just I personally just don't see it. I don't see it at all. Yeah, I I don't know where those discussions came from but yeah. Silly discussion, to be honest. It's all I can say to those guys is, "What game are you watching? <laughs> Which play are you watching?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not the same as uh, definitely not the same game as me. That's for sure. And so, <laughs> yeah, that that's just that's been weighing on me recently. I'm like, what what end product are you talking? <laughs> and he's really good at like. Kind of those like in between the lines passes as well. Like before he takes on his man and like kind of finds somebody across like the the top of the box kind of thing. He's really good at those too. So yes, I don't, he's great. Uh, I I don't know what people talk about when they say that. I don't know what they're seeing because <laughs> I'm seeing something. That I must be watching a different game if they if that's what they're seeing. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It, it's very odd to me. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's just Overall, wrap up. Let's, yeah, let's just wrap up on that. <laughs> let's wrap up on that. Let's go smash the shit out of Spurs this weekend. Yes, yes, please. Yes, please. And hope that I get some more sleep. Hopefully you get some more <laughs> sleep and we'll we'll try we'll, we'll obviously be trying to get more pods out um over the next month. Um we yeah. should be settling back into our regular routine. Um like we said, it has been a bit difficult the last few weeks, but with no more international breaks, which means no more, you know, mindlessly annoying international games that I have no interest in. Um, this is the the key part of the season where things get interesting. So the podcast will obviously pick up a little bit more as well with the games coming more frequent. Which I think we play. I think we play a game now every three days for mid January, I'd say. Um, yeah. We've got the Club World Cup as well in the middle of December, which is in two to three weeks. So oh, lots of yes. interesting. Lots of interesting games coming up. Lots of, you know, talking points to talk about. And I'm sure there'll be some off-the-field city stuff that we need to talk about as well, like FFP or, you know, charges from the Premier League, you know, considering Everton got a, a point deduction and all became about city instead of Everton. But we'll save that discussion for another time. But uh, overall, 
looking forward to it and it's gonna be a great month sam go get some yeah. sleep man <laughs> yeah i'm i'm going to get some sleep right now we will uh see you guys soon thanks guys Cheers.